My name is Charity Dodd, and this is the Blended Learning in Action podcast, sponsored by McGraw-Hill Education Company. If you listened to the previous episode, you heard Tiffany Wyckoff, co-founder of Link and co-author of the best-selling book, Blended Learning in Action, discuss feeding the good wolf amidst challenging times. In this episode, she discusses how she's focusing and paying attention to her breathing as a way to stay calm. She shares the processes she uses to create space between an event and her response. This is a good one. Be sure to share this with others who are going through some challenging times and would find it beneficial to breathe before responding to an event. Hello, this is Tiffany Wyckoff. Thank you for spending this time with me today as I continue to explore how to lean into trust in leadership and create that sense of calm confidence for for a team. So I, I mentioned during the last podcast, the one we feed each day, that I'm working on trust at work through better breathing. I mean, I am 46, and so it seems like I should figure out how to breathe properly at this time of my life. Why not? Um, But what does that even mean, like figuring out how to really breathe at work? I think it's probably, um, it feels right to me to start with a memory of the first time I feel like I really missed that need to breathe moment at work. I was in my 20s, um, a young teacher, probably 26. So this is like, oh gosh, a couple decades ago. And I had a student in my class and I, I loved connecting with my students because that was that was just the bee's knees to me. Like if I could reach a kid and have them enjoy in my class that just like lit my world up and so I had a student in my class and I'll call her Lisa and she had I actually had gotten a chance to teach her the previous year and she loved my class I mean we really vibed she devoured every book we read together loved my teaching style hung out in my class with friends at lunch and after school And um, this year, well, (laughs) let's just say we were having a very different experience. Um, I had asked her parents in for a parent-teacher conference. This is also, you know, side side note, this is before I realized that, you know, parent-teacher conferences are not particularly helpful in empowering students and fixing problems like these. So um, I, I, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of, student-led conferences, and I think that was part of the problem, but I hadn't really discovered that magic and importance of student-parent-teacher conferences. So at the time, I invited her parents in, and I very calmly shared my observations of the situation. For some reason, you know, Lisa wasn't as motivated, she wasn't participating in my class anymore, she wasn't doing her work consistently, she kind of had an attitude. And her grade, which was previously an A, um, had dropped to, I don't know, a C plus, I think. And I asked her mom and dad whether they had noticed the shift in Lisa and what might be happening, to which her mom 
very promptly replied and, you know, a bit, a bit of an emotionally charged statement too. Um, yes, she's very bored in your class. Can you try and make your class less boring? <laughs> and I, I just thought, oh, no, she didn't just say that to me. Here I am trying so hard. You know, I care about this child. I called her in so I could share my concerns with her and, and collaborate on helping Lisa. And she just really insulted me where it really hurt, right? And I got so angry. And, um, but I knew I, I couldn't say anything, you know, that was really angry in the moment, that it wasn't going to help. So I kind of calmly, but not so calmly said, excuse me, I'm just going to go outside and check on something for a second. And I went out to the hallway right outside my room, and there was a locker that was open, and I slammed it shut in anger. And I sort of paced around for a couple minutes, I don't even know how long, taking some breaths, kind of, but really just kind of thinking about what I really wanted to say to her that I couldn't say in the moment because I would get in trouble. And um, I guess I was kind of taking a breath because I exited myself from the situation, but not really. I mean, I had just simply expressed my very, very angry self audibly, very audibly, just beyond my classroom door, and I was so embarrassed when I had to, like, walk back in a few minutes later, composed, but clearly, like, you know, not composed. <laughs> um, you know, and thankfully, you know, my, my boss at the time, who's a great mentor of mine throughout my career, thought it was just hilarious, and she chuckled with me as I explained the situation after, you know, she had gotten a phone call, <laughs> very confusing, from the also angry parent after this conference. And there are so many things that I wish I had said in that moment rather than throwing my, you know, mini teacher tantrum because it, it really mattered to me that Lisa wasn't connected with the learning experience that she was having in my class. And, you know, this is way before I had really explored and, and figured out the blended practices that would enable me to more per, you know, personalize learning and make sure I could reach every student. And, you know, Lisa's mom was, she was right. My class wasn't relevant or interesting to every student. And she was giving me really important feedback and information about her daughter's experience. And if I could have taken even just one or two breaths in the moment, I could have responded rather than reacted. I could have, I, I wish I could have just said, you know, that's, thank you for sharing that with me. And that, I, that definitely, you know, hurts. Like, I don't, I don't want Lisa to be disconnected from my class. It's really important to me that she loves learning in my class. And I really want to figure this out. So let me think on it. And um, I commit to thinking about it and trying to figure out how, you know, how to get Lisa reengaged in, in learning. Let me talk to her. I wish I could have said that. But I didn't have that space. You know, I felt like I needed to respond right away, and I couldn't respond. Viktor Frankl, the Austrian uh, neurologist, psychologist, and Holocaust survivor, said, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our own response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. 
I always love that quote. It's up in our house at home. Um, I used to have it in my office when I was a principal. And I used to ask kids, like, how long do you think you need to create just that space to find freedom in the moment, to make a choice rather than to react, right? Because, you know, it's teenagers, they, they, they were had these middle school boys who'd sometimes hit each other. I was like, you just need one, maybe two breaths. Because breathing gives us just enough space for choice in each moment. It also gives us just enough space for calm to join the conversation. I mean, just like music is formed by the spaces between the lyrics and the notes, so too is conversation. You know, it is our words, and it's also the spaces in between our words. And I think that space is neglected and also just really undervalued. So I'm really trying to work to get that space back into my conversations at work. And in my current role as an executive and co-founder of Link, my sense of accountability has grown with the company. It just feels stressful and tense sometimes because it all feels so high stakes, like everything matters. And if I get it wrong, I'll not only be failing personally myself, but also failing our team and letting them down. And we have a growing team and it's getting bigger and bigger. And this is something that, you know, it really matters to me again. But I've also realized that leading anxiously is really not the path to team empowerment or success. Anxiety breeds anxiety, and so I'll simply be driving our team to what I'm afraid of, so I need to breathe. And here, here's how I know <laughs> that I'm not breathing enough in a conversation to find that space for calm to participate also in the conversation. First, I'm talking a lot and usually quickly. So I'm exhaling a lot more than inhaling, or I'm inhaling through my mouth between words, which is not calm-inducing. Secondly, my body is pretty tense. You know, specifically that lower abdomen tenses up. And third, I'm in problem-solving mode. Like my brain is really activated. And I know that <laughs> you're like, wait, isn't problem-solving mode a good and necessary mode? Definitely. I mean, I, my, my, our team relies on me to be able to solve problems and make decisions and get people unblocked. It certainly is a critical mode for me. But I've also realized that jumping into problem solving while trying to listen or before inquiry is a recipe not just for misunderstanding to take place and miscommunication, but it's also what leads me to lead anxiously. Because I've been thinking about this, like listening is receiving. It, it requires a less active mind in my case and more connection to my gut or emotional core to really understand the situation, to understand how someone's feeling in the situation, and to really get a sense of how they need me to show up for them. Because it, that's, an, that's an emotional experience and not a cerebral one as much is what I've come to realize. And so over the past couple of weeks, I've been really tinkering with breathing differently during meetings. 
I'm noticing the path of my breath in and out of my nose slowly. I'm talking more slowly and pausing to take full breaths, which was kind of funny recently when in a conversation with my co-founder, Jason, halfway through my question, he's like, oh, God, you're scaring me. I thought something was really wrong. And I said, no, I'm just talking slowly. It's part of what I'm practicing. And he's like, okay, okay, just let me know when you're talking slowly so I don't get worried, (laughs) which was kind of funny. So if you are a quick talker, you might want to let people know so they don't think something is wrong if if you start to tinker with this. And I'm paying closer attention to how I'm feeling in the moment over what needs to be said or done. My hypothesis right now is that in this moment of more problems, like all these problems in the world, all these problems in our classrooms and schools and in our family structures, like there's so much going on that's hard, we actually need less problem solving and more feeling responding. So whether, you know, leading a team or leading the students in your classroom, creating just that little bit of space for responding can breathe energy into our fatigued and confused communities during this time of struggle. Thank you for listening. Um, I invite you to you know, just be with me on this journey as I continue to explore techniques to lead from a place of trust over anxiety and to really rejuvenate our teams and our communities through that type of mindful leadership.